Let's make this, let's aim for 30 minutes. And if I get a phone call in the middle, I'll oh, have to leave. Now, now, push it. I'm involved in something that, that you have I to physically have to be there. Okay. So like this. Yet to be determined what we're going to be learning as a longer series. But I'm very excited to do what we do every year, this time of the year. In the world of Chabad, we always learn a part of the Hasidic discourse that's headed by the words Basi Legani, Bati Legani. A little bit of context, and I know that if people are listening to the old recordings, so nothing new will be said, which is good, because if I say something new, then I'm making it up. Can I yeah. just make um, an announcement? This is Leilu Nishma, Tzipora um, Ba'Ariyeh, okay. and Ariel Ben Avram, there's a tzedakah there. Okay, so their neshama should have an aliyah, and there should be a lot of joy for this family and for all of our families. Amen. Basilagani Achoisi Kala is a Hasidic discourse. The Chabad Rebbe's who shared a lot of Torah categorized their teachings into different sections, into different uh, headers, different umbrellas. And in the world of Hasidus, in the world of Hasidim, in the world of Lubavitch, the highest level of Torah taught by a Rebbe is called a Mimer. You can watch this now on video. It's really awesome. You or, or different? All of you can watch on video the following, that when the Rebbe spoke, whether he spoke by Efabrengen, whether he spoke to smaller groups, even though the Rebbe had a unique sing-song, when he began to teach Torah, he would not speak the way he would speak to you personally. You were familiar with that sing-song. But other than that, the Rebbe's composure did not visually change. The Rebbe was the Rebbe sharing words of Torah. When the Rebbe said a mimer, you mamish saw ruach hakodesh. It was awesome. First of all, there's a melody that Hasidim would sing before. The Rebbe would close his eyes. The Rebbe would not say a mimer looking at the people the way he would when he would speak to people. The Rebbe would actually tie his hand to his chair. This is a tradition going back for many generations, and that's very, very significant because the Rebbe, a Chabad Rebbe, would go into what we would call a trance, to the point that who, that they were almost in danger of not coming back. Right. They call that the vacus, is that the word? You can call that the vacus, yes. you can use other words, and the way the Chabad Rebbe would keep themselves grounded is mamish by tying themselves here, with many nuances how they would tie their hand, and there's a whole culture behind my modem. I remember many years ago in Brazil when I was interacting with people that were bachlal, not from they watched once the Rebbe, they, they were familiar with that. Not on a holy side. They had witnessed people going into these trances in the side of Klippa. They said, oh, he knew that the, this Jew is not here. The way the Rebbe would be, not that you need to have to, I don't need him to say that, but it's interesting that the Rebbe was in a visually other place. Just another, just a little nuance about a mimer. The Rebbe had a heart attack in 1978. In, in and over over Yontif. And followed by that, for a while, when he would fabreng, he would be hooked up to monitors. Now it's a common thing, then it was a big chiddish, it was like the cutting edge technology in the late 70s to have wireless connections and for people to monitor his heart. And the Rebbe's heartbeat became very unstable when he would fabreng. 
the Rebbe's main doctor really did not want him to fabrink. He felt that the Rebbe, the exertion that he made, consciously, not consciously, wasn't has, has wasn't healthy for him. When the Rebbe said a maimer, his heart was healthy. That he I heard from him many times in public, which is almost counterintuitive because the Rebbe would have to make the greatest effort, and it doesn't work that way. The Rebbe would transport himself into a real holy place, and even his bodily functions were healthy even right after a heart attack. It's awesome, a maimer. So that's there was a spe, there's there's something special about a maimer being said by a Rebbe. We Hasidim know that this is like Moshe Rabbeinu giving us the Torah. After the Rebbe would say a mimer, going back to the other Rebbes, like today is the yard site of the Alter Rebbe, if there would be a debate what the meaning of the mimer is, even if the Rebbe would say what it means, in the older generations, they wouldn't, uh, they would say, that's your opinion, I have my opinion. I, the Rebbe, was the one that said the mimer. No, when the Rebbe was saying the mimer, it wasn't him saying the mimer, he was channeling something holy. Now that you're analyzing the mimer, these are greater Hasidim, which happened, told the Rebbe, okay, you have your opinion, I understand the Maimur differently. I want to tell you, this is a very important way of, of learning Bachlal, you know, when you learn Rashi, right? Rashi wrote with Ruach HaKodesh. And you have so many books explaining every little nuance in Rashi. We're not saying that Rashi knew that. Don't think that every Mephoidish that builds a whole building on the way Rashi used those words and not the other words, it wasn't that Rashi was consciously aware of it. Rashi was writing Baruch HaKodesh. And, 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 and then every Jew has the schus of unpackaging it. That's the way we understand that a, a maimer of the Rebbe is like Kodesh Kodesh, pure Torah. My modem, the themes were chosen by the Rebbe's. And the Rebbe consistently, on the date that marks the passing of the previous Rebbe, which was also the date in which the Rebbe officially assumed the leadership of Chabad Lubavitch, the Rebbe always said a discourse on a certain theme. And it's a big theme. It's really the mission statement of our generation. The previous Rebbe's Maimer was comprised of 20 chapters. The Rebbe every year would make a recap. And then year number one, he would focus on chapter number one. Year number two, he would make a recap, chapter one and two, and focus on chapter two. Year three, the Rebbe did that for 20 years, and then he repeated that almost until the end of the second cycle when the Rebbe passed away, which was after 18 years in the second cycle, the Rebbe stopped. But we have a wealth of yearly maimarim, focusing on the theme that will quickly make a recap, and that's perfect. I think we have three weeks, including this week. Again, for people who came late, I'm going to have to go to a mitzvah that, that cannot be uh, delayed. So it's going to be a shorter class today, at least for learning, and God willing, for the next two weeks, we'll have proper one-hour classes on Basalagani, and we're just uh, delaying our anguish. To, what should we learn next? Okay, we can still anguish with that another two weeks. Um, next week is... Winter break. winter break, so I don't. I, I'm okay, so we'll play it by ear. We'll play it by ear. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I, for my part, I feel bad. I think last week I canceled the end. I was, let's yeah. learn as much as we could. Okay. okay. So first of all, there's a pasuk said by Shleima Hamelch. The pasuk reads, "God is saying that I came to my garden, to my sister, to my bride." And the medrash interprets the pasuk. 
not to translate it the way I just did, which is the common, the most simplest translation that God says, I came to my garden. No, the Medrash adds one word that changes everything. That God is saying, I came back to my garden. Not I came to my garden, I came back to my garden. When did God say that? When he gave the Torah. The garden is, is, is in reference to this physical world. The Medrash is saying that God views this world as his garden. And this is not Stama's statement. This is a very meaningful statement. Think about your life, what a garden represents for you. Now, for those of you that are not yet wealthy, you should be very wealthy. And when you become very wealthy, you'll see it's not enough stump to have a house with a pool. That's, that's the basics. Real oinig, real pleasure is when you have a garden. And in the garden, you have special trees with aroma, with fruit, what kids called nash. Natural nash is fruits. Nachdaramam writes, fruits are not healthy, like nash, they're sugar. In other words, if there is something that God made in this world that is not for the basics, it's for ta'anug, that's a garden. So God created a lot. Kaviyachal, if we can speak this way, because the Torah speaks this way, it makes Hashem almost too human. So, you know, God is, God is busy, God is doing stuff, but God also needs kaviyachal, like God needs a Shabbos. Not that God, God doesn't get tired. So none of this should be taken literally. But God has a day where they, they have Shabbos, rest, they have Kedusha. God has a place where he goes to his garden. Where is his garden? Not Gan Eden. This world. The ideal, the ideal is that this world is a place that when God comes here, God is always everywhere. But when God, so to say, comes here, ah, machaya. Eloma, there's a challenge. The challenge is, is that God created man. And we have the power to make this garden even more beautiful. Like when you'll become very wealthy, all you guys, and you'll have a garden. Gee, some people get into the gardening. It's like a whole world. And it's beautiful. You make it more beautiful. And some people, God forbid, they can let it be run down. Or even worse, they can ruin it. Now, Hashem, in his kindness, is so not intrusive. The way Hashem made his garden. Hashem told us that our job is to make his garden even more beautiful for him, which is a big schos. We're God's gardeners. But if we if we make a mess, then we can make such a mess that God doesn't go to his garden. Chaval, he doesn't, he, it doesn't do it for him. It's like when you walk into a home with 12 kids without help, you understand, you want to go, ah, God walked, God made the world, it was his garden. And after the first techet of Adam and Chava, whatever they did, it was no longer his garden. And what was the most beautiful thing is that when God gave us the Torah, and he came on Mount Sinai, until we again made a mistake with a golden calf, this is what God said. I think it's the most beautiful. God says, I came back to my garden. I came back home. And, And that's what Hashem wants. Hashem wants for this to be his garden. And the way the Medrash, the way Hasidus explains the Medrash, speaking about, this is all said by Shlomo HaMelech, is that you can you look at the whole human history in this context. Don't look, forget about us for a second. We are struggling in Golos. Okay, Emes. Let's look in God. In God's context, God made so many worlds. And God made one garden. 
not two gardens, not three gardens. He doesn't have two uh, vacation homes. He has one vacation home, and it's beautiful. If we if we if we keep it beautiful, we can make it better, and we can make it to the point where he doesn't want to hang out over here. But he wants to. He wants for it to be beautiful. So after 2,400 plus years, when finally the time came, gave the Torah, Hashem says, "I'm chayin. I came back to my garden." You know, there's another nice medrash that 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 says what were the last words that Moshe Rabbeinu told God before he passed away. It's Kavaldik. Moshe Rabbeinu really didn't want to pass away. He was trying to overturn God's will. So at the end, at the end, he, he says, God, God, do you remember the day we met? Mamish. And God couldn't take it. God took us to show out. God knew that if he's going to keep my life one more minute, if Moshe would have gotten God. When you, when you go back, you see there's a chidush. In America, everything is news. News is... News are for foolish people, news. You're smarter, not news, the old. The old is beautiful. You go back. Like we already had a good history. And then, especially in the context of if it got ruined, which is terrible for that time, when you fix it, it's the most beautiful thing in the world. Ups and downs. Hashem was angry at Moshe. He tells God, do you remember the day that we met over there by the burning bush? And he began to talk. And that's it. And Hashem took his neshama. So God comes to Matan Torah and he, he says, oh, I came back, I came back. I'm, I finally came back to my garden. But the story didn't end there. The story was is that we made a big mistake nationally with the golden calf. But one second, but we got somewhere. Now to fix it became easier. And we fixed it relatively quickly. We fixed it. Moshe Rabbeinu fixed it. God forgave us. But God now was a little bit, um, as we would say, like when you want to be friendly with someone and they violate your trust and then you forgive them, you're cautious. You're cautious. You don't want to get hurt. I'm just making everything sound very human. Obviously, none of this is to be taken literally, but these are the words that, that we have just to relate to. So Hashem says, okay, I'll come back, I'll come back. But you know what? Only in the Mishkan. Because God was confident that in the Mishkan, we're not going to violate his trust. God doesn't want to only be in the Mishkan. Why would God only want to be in the Mishkan? God wants to be in the whole world. The whole world is supposed to be his garden. God came back first in the Mishkan. And then what's happening from then until Mashiach, which is a mamash happening, the whole world will become God's garden. Again, the way it should be. How do we make this world into a place where God will say, I'm coming back to my garden? And it's not planting trees. I don't want to disappoint all of the naturalists. No, planting trees is a nice thing. It's like a mitzvah. Yishuv Eretz Yisrael. Karen Kayamet Yisrael is the best fundraiser in the world. At least from my perspective. But uh, you're looking at me. I'm just kidding. You make We make this world into, into a garden by keeping the mitzvahs everywhere. The more pockets in the world where Yidin live and they keep mitzvahs, that makes more of the world into a garden. That's the simple answer. But the mimer is giving us a mystical answer. And the answer is based on a certain structure. Look better at how we built the Mishkan. You have to know what to focus on. Whatever was needed in the building of the Mishkan, if you know how to translate that spiritually, that is what's needed to make the whole world into a garden. 
We only build a base Hamikdash in one location. We're not building base Hamikdash all over the world. We're not allowed to do that. We're not allowed to make a replica. But the focus of the Mimer is in the base Hamikdash, you bring sacrifices. Through certain sacrifices, we make the whole world into a Mishkan. What do we sacrifice in the base Hamikdash? Animals. What type of sacrifices are of value to God? Some people are martyrs, by the way. Some people love sacrificing. They can't get enough of it. And they can and they talk about it. You know how much I sacrificed? Who asked you to sacrifice? Tell that to them. But on the other hand, no, life demands sacrifices. We just have to have the seichel to know what are we going to sacrifice. It should be a worthwhile sacrifice. Something always has to give. The animal in the person is that part that has to be sacrificed. Not the godly in the person. That's a tragic sacrifice. If something's got to give, it has to be the animal. And a lot of the Maimir is speaking in depth about the meaning of a sacrifice. Also, not a martyr. Sacrifice can be misunderstood as something has to be completely killed. That's not a sacrifice. We're not allowed to kill. Shechting is not killing. I know Peter doesn't agree with that, but that's what the Torah says. What did they say? Chicky, chicky, I don't want to hurt you. I just want to shecht you. That was a good liner. We're not, we're actually, we're elevating the chicken. That's the way it looks. That's as it does. And then we eat the chicken and then we, we, we make it a human. And if we are human, not behemoths, so then we elevated the chicken. This is the system that God made. So many years that I've focused on beautiful insights in what's the shot of a sacrifice when we speak about sacrificing the animal. And these are, these are very important concepts because we're doing it the whole time to do it right or to do it better. Anyways, I'm trying to make a quick recap. So for many years, for around 10 years, we focus on what exactly do we need to do aside of doing the mitzvahs? I know that. But while when I'm doing the mitzvahs, what's happening inside of me? What part of me is invested? Am I besimcha? Am I meridus? Uh, you know, there's different waves of serving Hashem. There's sacrificing. There's transforming. There's elevating. There's machanakula. You have all these things. Ten years we focused on that. The next half of the mimer, which is what we're getting into this year, is not about exactly what we need to do, but who is doing it. And the point is, using an analogy of a king going to battle, that even though you have generals, and they have their place, and you can argue, wow, the general, the big general, right? Some people love generals. No, God loves the foot soldier. Because the one that actually is engaged in battle has a lot more importance in the eyes of God than the general. Even though the foot soldiers won't know what to do, how to do, won't have the means without the general. And in this mimer, the context is tzaddikim, that are like the generals, the king is God, but the work is to be done by the foot soldier. And the general is simply here to help us. And that's a very big theme in Chabad Hasidus, in contrast to many other great Hasidic uh, groups in where the emphasis is not that much on the tzaddik, the emphasis is on the chassid. Yeah, we have to be connected to a tzaddik, but the emphasis is, is that I have my responsibility that I have to do. I cannot lean on the tzaddik, <coughs> which was a big point of contention between the Alter Rebbe, whose yard said is today, and his colleagues. Okay, so what exactly do we need to do? 
we learned for 10 years what we need to do. We have to keep the mitzvahs. We have to keep the mitzvahs b'simcham. We have to transform the animal soul. We have to have shtus de kedusha. These are themes. But we're going to focus now on how do we do it? So what happens is like this, that there are certain times that there's a hierarchy of the king gives weapons to the generals who gives it to the soldiers. There are certain types of battles that it's so crucial for the battle to be won that the king cuts out the generals. The king gets involved in the war and he gives the most potent weapons to every single soldier. The king has treasures. The definition of a treasure is something that you don't expose. You keep a treasure in a treasure room. Treasure normally connotes something that you don't even need. It's extra. You have in your treasure room, you have a pile of golden coins. What do you need with golden coins? You can live nice with a little golden coin. Or here in LA with 10 golden coins. Or with 50, you don't need a pile of them. No, that's a treasure. It's When it comes to the final battle, everything is needed. And not every 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 tool is needed, every part of the treasure is needed. And the melech is called mevazvez. That means he opens up the treasure rooms and he throws out all the treasures to the to the foot soldier, and he gives everyone more than what they need to succeed in winning the battle. What are those treasures? That's the focus of this year. What is the treasure? that God is giving us for us to be able to successfully be happy, healthy, observant Jews here in LA, which is us making this little part of the world into a garden for God. So when the Beis HaMikdash is going to be built in Yerushalayim and it's going to be built, it won't be that God will only be in the Beis HaMikdash. The Ikid will be in the Beis HaMikdash. The point of connection is in the Beis HaMikdash, but it doesn't end there. And Mimer emphasizes that God will manifest with the biggest of miracles in the Holy Temple, but that will extend to every single shul in the world, to every Beis into the world, to every Jewish home in the world. Mamish. And, and, and the light will happen with the coming of Mashiach, but the building that we're building right now, and we need to have a power to build it, and we're focusing on that power. Or to word it differently, when a Jew is trying to do the right thing and everyone has their Yetzir Hod and everyone has their struggle, there is a certain power that we are gifted and it's good to be aware of it. Even though whether you heard this or not, you have it equally, but being aware of something unique that we have that other generations did not have prior to the generation now, which is has to bring Mashiach, the other generations were not gifted those treasures. So what is that treasure? All this is a recap. I know we went through this last year. So the Rebbe explains the, the treasure by quoting words of the Zohar. I'm just, just to be faithful to the words. That there is this infinite light of God. And the infinite light of God goes lamaila maila adenkates. It goes, it, it, it's, it's so high and it's even higher. And it goes up without end. And it also makes its way down to the lowest of levels. The treasure that we are gifted is this infinite light that is Lamata Mata Ad Ein Tachlet. So let me just share with you a few introductory words as we, God willing, will continue for the next two weeks before up until Yud Shvat. 
when we say that something is above or beyond, it's beyond you, what does that imply? When something is above you, when a person says that was above me, what do they mean? That they didn't cop it, right? The God made us, the mind is on the top of the head because it's a very big, a high koyach that we have. It went above me, I didn't get it. That means that, ask a person, explain to me godliness, what does it mean? Do you understand it? Do you know it? I'm asking you a question. What would you answer? So there is a paradox. On one hand, it's above us. And not only above us because we're earthly people. Even in Ganeiden. Even Malachim, even souls in the world of Atsilus, if you were to ask them, explain godliness, it's above them. It's above, it, 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 there's some power that's above us. And at the same time, even though I don't understand it, no matter how low I fall, I always have access to it. No matter how low of a state we are in, no matter how low the world becomes, there can never be a place in God's creation where it's so far away, it can be very far, that God cannot go in there. God is everywhere. Godliness is everywhere. One of the ways that godliness manifests, not that we understand it, is in miracles. Is in miracles. Think about the parsha of this week. We were in Egypt. Egypt was a very lowly society. It was very similar to the Western world now. Mamish, many, many, really, the same concepts. Everything here is, nothing is new. All of this is old. Everything is old. All of their ideas are old. And, and, and there was so many miracles that happened there to the point that every Egyptian said there was a God in the world. They couldn't explain God. But the fact that no matter in how lowly of a setting there is always the possibility of mamish a miracle, that's one of the meanings that godliness is not closed out of any place. No one understands Hashem. I don't understand Hashem, but I know that God is with me and God is always going to somehow appear. One way is through a miracle. Let me ask you a question. Why does God make miracles? Why? To remind us that he's there. Oh, so one answer is to remind us that he's there. Not, not, not only to save us from something. The miracle of Hanukkah, we didn't need saving with the Menorah. It didn't matter if we're not going to have tar. It's not about, oh, if not for a miracle, a person, God forbid, is going to die. No. The ikr point of a miracle is for people to acknowledge that there is something that we call God. It's not nature. It's not what we know. It's the creator. It's the source. But God is here. God is aware of, God is interacting with us in a miraculous way. Which part of the Jew needs a miracle? The godly soul or the animal soul? The animal soul. Very important, the animal soul. A godly soul doesn't need a miracle. The animal soul sometimes need what we call a shock treatment. The animal soul, the core of the animal soul is me, not God. Something happens that shows the animal that there is a God. Now you should know a cloud, and we all know this, that miracles never, by design, have a long-term effect. 
the inspiration that you feel when a miracle happens, and everyone had miracles happening to them, much more than we would like to acknowledge, how many times did it happen that you know, a person was almost in a car accident? And you know, they almost hit and almost hit and almost hit and almost hit and almost hit, and you, you too much coincidence, and you, my God is with me, and you're so inspired for 20 minutes, and then for the next couple of hours, you still remember that you were inspired, and then the next month, you deny that it even happened. I know people that shared with me things and they denied that it was even a miracle. Nah, it was never a miracle. The person was very, very sick and then they discovered that they they, they thought they, had, they have no cancer. Unless, no, 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 okay, he never had cancer, they made a mistake. That's just, that's, that's the design of God. No one can base Yiddishkeit on miracles. Doesn't work. Yiddishkeit is based on the emuna that my godly soul has. The, the closeness that our neshama has with God is so powerful. That's the yesoid of Yiddishkeit. Emuna. Why is a miracle needed? Because the animal soul sometimes is so coarse that it, it blocks me from my own emuna. The miracle is simply here to shock the animal. Let the animal be moida that there is something greater than the animal. And that allows the godly soul to manifest. And a Yid should know that especially before Mashiach, that miracles are happening. And there's always a potential of a miracle. And no matter who the person is, like we learned in Shadabi Tachan, even people that are not worthy for a miracle, that's one of the treasures that we're going to get to. That we're living at a time that it's not unreasonable for you to rely on a miracle. Or for you to expect a miracle. Even though it says, Ein soimchen alanes. And soimchen means that don't rely on miracles. Don't rely on miracles. Many shluchim tell me we don't rely on miracles. We count on miracles. We live a lifestyle that, and there's nothing wrong with that, that you need nisim. And God is going to make nisim for us. That's one of the meanings of the treasures. Look at, look, look, I mean, I know everyone can look at life differently. You can argue that look how we are living compared to the way our grandparents lived. Now, my Zaydis went, went to Siberia. They starved. My mother starved when she was a child. I know that many people should be blessed with a lot of parnas. I'm not minimizing people's anguishes. Much better. Why? Ness, it's a gift. No one ever kept mitzvahs. I'm talking about externally the way we did. You should know that your mezuzah that you have, your holy grandmothers never had such a good mezuzah. Never. That had passed me down, little mezuzah that was half kosher, tefillin, all the mitzvahs, the level of kashras that you're keeping here, no one ever kept. No one ever kept. Mamish. You have kitchen. I know it's cleanliness, it's a plumbing water, I don't care. We have two ovens. Before the war, no one had two ovens. No one had two ovens. If they, if they were lucky, they had an oven. Most villages had a village oven. I'm not saying, God forbid, that you should cook meat and milk in the oven. Don't do that. But uh, many Shilas are really non-Shilas because the standards that we have externally, no one ever kept mitzvahs as good as we do. And that's a miracle. That's a gift that God is giving us. That's one of the treasures that we have. In other words, we have to view the blessings of life which we have, not minimizing people's challenges, as the tools that Hashem is giving us 
for us to fulfill our mission better. And the less we take it for granted, the more we associate that which we have as a, as a treasure that's being given to me, the more koyach I'm going to have. And the more people are aware of miracles, the miracle for a short amount of time really inspires a person. If we would have more seichel, we should walk around every day inspired by a miracle. Because every day there are miracles. Whoever has small children, the fact that they are alive is the biggest miracle. Whether they're running across the street, whether they chopped a knife, whether something almost fell on them, how many times you think about it, going up the steps. Or down. Or down the steps. Mamish miracles. Just to finish with the story about miracles, that the, the Rebbe once, Ed of Yom Kippur, driving back from the mikvah, drove by Union Street, and uh, one of his secretary's wives, she was up running across the street to catch one of her kids. And she also ran across the street in a not such a safe way. So the Rebbe told the, the husband to tell his wife that for children, there are mamish malachim watching over them, but not for your wife. <laughs> she should be more careful. But, but, and we know that. And we should, you know, the more we open up our eyes to see the miracles in our lives, it doesn't mean that we are also, it doesn't take away if people want to hold on to their tzadahs, fine. But there's so much brachas to try to be inspired by the daily miracles. And tomorrow you'll have new miracles because miracles won't last long. But again, the kavan of a miracle is, is that my animal soul for a few minutes will be moida that there is a God in my life, in my life. And then the animal goes away and the neshama comes out and then we feel connected to God. I don't know what God is, I can't explain it, but I'm connected to the Eivishten. And that's one of the things, one of the powers that we have been gifted to. And Hashem shall bless us all with many, many more miracles. Amen. 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 Amen.